Hello Australian England, I am your host Ben on today's show. Um, I've been listening with No Haven, a band from Melbourne. They were kind enough to come into the studio again when located in the same metropolis. So it's really, really good to have people in the studio. It sort of gives a, a better warmth, a, a little bit more connection to the chat. It enables us to kind of get, get a little bit more freer, which I think you'll hear in the conversation we have. Um, so that coming up in a little bit. Before I get to that, something which came up in the conversation, something that probably came up in the conversation because I think I raised it, to be honest, um, because it's something I've been thinking about, is algorithms and the effect they kind of have. You know, I, I think about these topics more broadly, particularly because of another podcast which tends to focus a bit on these issues. I actually had an episode two weeks ago which dived in fairly deep into it. Um, podcast is called The Eclipticast, if you're interested. But um, for this podcast... Where it sort of comes into the realm that I'm you know, involved in, music, is the algorithms that are used by social media and music tools. And by music tools, I'm talking about places like Bandcamp, Spotify. So I use Bandcamp as a major tool to discover music, to search out potential bands that I just want to listen to in general. But specifically for this podcast, it's bands that I want to interview. Uh, Australian bands, New Zealand bands, occasional bands from overseas. But like when I'm actually trying to discover music, I'm really looking at these Australian bands. And the problem with Bandcamp is it can be very difficult to search for something in particular. It has a discover feature which enables you to search by a particular tag like metal or a subgenre as well as Melbourne and Sydney. So you can say, okay, I want to see metal bands for Melbourne or metal bands for Sydney, which is useful for me, but it's not particularly broad and it doesn't really get to what I'm actually interested in. So its discover feature only allows you to combine those tags. It's not some sort of free tool or some advanced search would make actually be really useful for me it's very narrow and if you're interested in australia as a whole if you're interested in a different city like brisbane or adelaide which i definitely am you're you're kind of out of luck if you actually want to look for metal in those particular cities what you'll have to do is go is is raise that tag individually and just search through entire catalog of music from adelaide let's say and that can be annoying because not all metal bands are apparent from their album covers or their names. Often they are. We too tend to be stereotypical, but not always. And just back to the algorithm part of it, with the new arrivals, um, it's kind of difficult to describe if you have a news band camp, but you can say, I want to do Sydney, uh, metal. You can either say the, the best-selling or new arrivals. But I don't think the new arrivals does it the way we would expect to do it because some albums have been there for six months some albums which i would expect to be in there are not in there so i I don't know how these algorithms actually function and that kind of makes things difficult especially for bands who are trying to get up in the algorithms yeah they're not even sure what they actually have to do instagram which i occasionally peruse doesn't allow you to sort posting by time and date it only allows you to do it by whatever they deem important what is that i don't know this is annoying because I'm not that interested in Instagram in general. I'm only interested in seeing from the bands that I've followed, the labels, the PR things that I've followed, um, some of the posts that they're posting in case it's interesting news to me. Um, and it kind of makes it very difficult to determine if I'm seeing the same thing again and whether I'm seeing everything if I can't see it by date and time because I've got no sort of comprehension of where I am in some sort of arbitrary list that they've made. Now, obviously, it makes sense that they've got this option. They've apparently done a bit study and says lots of people miss out on reading important things or looking at important photos. 
but that's not why I use Instagram. And why can't I have the option to use the tool I want as opposed to some sort of arbitrary thing that they've laid out for me? Um, I personally don't use Spotify, but I also wonder about their ability to, and I think we'll raise it in the interview about like, you know, it tends to sort of create a bubble for you. So although we now have more options than ever to discover music with ease, it's controlled by companies which don't really have necessarily an interest in you discovering all new music. They have an interest in promoting things either that they expect you to purchase or they expect you to continue to consume their product. I love Bandcamp and I don't necessarily expect them to have that same kind of motive. A lot of the products that are promoted by their discovery feature, I don't expect many people buy because they seem to be on the lower end of the market. But like, even if it's just an algorithm that's supposed to work well, but isn't, that's still an algorithm that doesn't work in the way we expect or in a way we can necessarily figure out. And, you know, it's all well and good for me complaining. I run run a podcast, but bands rely on these platforms, Um, you know, other platforms like Facebook. And it's very opaque about how their content actually makes its way to consumers, which makes it very difficult for bands to try and figure out how to increase their reach. And, you know, I'm, uh, I could go on forever about these kind of things. I have in a different podcast, but it, it's very it's very concerning that such aspects of our lives are kind of dictated by these algorithms. You know, we think of these platforms, but it, the algorithms are really key to some of the parts which make our, which kind of entrap us in particular modes of thought and kind of exclude us from discovering new things. But um, enough of that. No Haven, Mikey and Will were kind enough to come into the studio. They released a new album, Deep End of Shallow Lives, which is out now. Um, It was really good uh, in particular to hear them being... They were talking about the fact that they maybe didn't have enough time to do everything they wanted. Still a really great album, but you know some of the dissatisfaction that they maybe felt with this album, which is really good to hear and really kind of illuminates the process. They'll be playing in Melbourne in April, supporting Cult Leader at the Tote on the 13th and Pagan at Stay Gold on the 19th. And the songs they play during the interview are Cesspool, Sinkholes and Nervous Wreck. This is Mikey and Will from No Haven. Mike and Will, vocalist and guitarist respectively for Melbourne band No Haven, whose debut album Deep Ends of Shallow Lives is out now. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Cheers. In studio, I really appreciate it. No problem at all. So let's start back at the beginning. When did the band start? Band started, I think, 2015, 2016. Yeah, about the end of 2015. Me and Will, um, we've been drinking buddies for a couple of years now and... um, Similar interest in music, and um, yeah, we've just been, uh, you know, drinking beers at the pub, talking shit, yeah. talking about which bands we want to start, and um, you know, a lot of similar ones came up, like Converge and Cult Leader and stuff, and um, yeah, it pretty much flew from that. Um, our friend Alex moved down from um, Tasmania, and um, yeah, we got him involved, and tried a few bass players, and eventually got uh, another Tasmanian in and Angus and uh yeah just kind of came together naturally from that yeah so um I'm initially from Tassie as well as Alex and Angus so it's all this very incestuous music scene so I played in bands with Alex beforehand in Tassie uh, multiple bands and then he moved up so we're just like okay kind of works out 
you know what we're doing new kind of how we played as musicians and stuff so it all kind of just like gelled well from there mm. so why did you guys all move up um i ended up moving up everyone moved up for different reasons i actually ended up moving up for an ex-girlfriend about six or seven years ago <laughs> didn't work out and then just kept doing this i guess started playing in bands and shit and never left yeah, it's like will played in a band called party vibes and I played in a band called Weedy Gonzalez, yep. and we were playing heaps of shows together and kind of knew each other from that. And um, yeah, I think we met at a Meredith festival one year. Yeah, probably. Yeah, which super is, cool. um, <laughs> <laughs> now we're here. Now we're here. And um, yeah, Will also played in a band called um, Trespasser in Tassie. Not sure if you uh, might have heard of them, but um, he played that with... With Alex. Alex. Yeah, and then I left, and then Angus, who's in our band now, <laughs> he's playing in that band instead of me, so yeah. So in terms of like, the name of the band, No Haven, where'd that come from? We, I have a massive list of band names that keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Even though I don't have any other bands on the go, I've still got this band name. I'm like, oh, that sounds fucking cool. But that came through... We had this huge list, I would mention some things, and then the guys would be like, mm, I don't know about it. Um, and then eventually came on something about Haven and then we just went no Haven sounds kind of cool and then I realised pretty much as soon as we went okay cool call it no Haven release an EP or whatever realised there's about 1800 other bands with the name Haven in it there's a Bellhaven band from the suburbs of Melbourne <laughs> there's like one of our first shows was with them and I was like what the fuck like completely different <laughs> styles of music but Sam Haven Sam Haven there's Will Haven from the States I think there's like every haven under the sun and they keep on coming up there's these other suburban Melbourne bands I have no idea about like I keep on seeing stickers in I think Last Chance and Old Bar on the toilets Hollow Haven or some shit and I'm yeah. like yeah so we're stuck with it now because that's, that's what we've done we've done merch we've done two releases so we can't change it now we even had the um, EP recorded and a first show booked without a name yet so we're under, <laughs> we're under a significant amount of pressure to um, come up with something so, um, yeah, we, we ran with that. Um, yeah, I wish we had a bit more time to name it, to be honest, <laughs> but, uh, you know, here we are. Remember with, um, when we were recording the EP, I remember talking to Mike Deslanders, who recorded us. I was like, what do you, what do you reckon about this name? So I think he kind of, kind of got the blessing from Mike, and he was like, yeah, it's cool, and then we realised about all these other bands, so here we are. We nearly ran with um, Heaven- Heavenless. Heavenless was our first kind of grim one. But, um, yeah, we weren't really running those themes too much, mm. so it didn't, the name didn't suit the, the music. Yeah, just changed up a bit. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's really funny in this kind of modern age, especially because, like, you know, going back a little bit, who cares? Yeah. Know? But, like, when people are searching, <laughs> that's, like, the key thing for everything. Yeah. It was kind of funny because I was Google search. Every name came up on Google search and it was like, oh, it was one band or a song name for some band in the States or some shit. Like, you know, 200 views on YouTube. So it didn't really matter. It doesn't really matter too much, but, um, you know, it's kind of funny when it was literally like our second show or some shit. There's another band with Haven on the name. There's even that, yeah. uh, there's even that pizza chain, Pizza Haven. There's Pizza Haven yeah, as well. You know, that's, that's come up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's talk a little bit about the sound of the band. Interesting. Um, and I'll probably get you, I won't explain to you why. <laughs> you guys can explain why. But like, talk a little bit. You mentioned um, Cult Leader, Converge, 
some of those kind of bands. Like, what was it that kind of made you focus in on that particular sound that you were interested in? The main... There's a, a few bands to start with. I've been playing with a lot of other bands beforehand and my style of writing never really fit. I can write for other bands because I've played in a thrash band, I've played in another band called Clowns, which is punk or whatever. But this style of music is kind of my natural way of writing through a lot of different music I would listen to. So when I started doing it with Mike and Alex, I was like, okay, I want to do not... It was still like a style of we're going in a direction in a way, but it was almost like this is how I naturally write. I kind of just want to do that. And it was kind of fit in with what we liked anyway. So um, I think when we started, um, I was listening heavily to a band called The Secret from Italy, which are like a, a like kind of dark, dark hardcore band with like lots of black metal influence. So that was kind of like initially where it was going. But then like a lot of ambient post-metal influence and you know even some old metalcore influence and stuff kind of like started creeping in with a lot of like the weirder hardcore shit we listen to so that's where a lot of it went kind of i think that's where i guess the vibe comes from mm, a bit yeah. of scrams as well yeah definitely a bit of that a bit of scream and stuff as well when we first started like rehearsing and writing we me will and alex all like put a playlist together of what we envision what we'd want to sound like yep. and kind of just gelled it all together so it was a bit of like old metalcore old hardcore scrams all that French French stuff that you seem to like yeah. Will. <laughs> I'm wearing a French band shirt <laughs> yeah. right now and um, yeah it just kind of came from that yeah. and um, yeah it's, it's always been music I've wanted to write um, you know I grew up going to a lot of those weird kind of shows and um yeah, I spent a lot of time at the, uh, the Cat Food Press and Irene's Warehouse and saw a lot of weird and wonderful bands from um, from back in that time and place in Melbourne. And, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Mm, mm. Now, I, I want to kind of get to the album more specifically in a little bit, but one thing that really sort of jumped out at me, especially kind of given like post-metal, using that kind of term broadly, yep. it's tendency to go on and on and on and yeah. you know, never get to the point until you're at 10 minutes into song. You guys tend to have a lot of like, you kind of just jam it all in there, shorter yeah. songs. Talk a little bit about that. Um, the kind of funny thing you're saying that is because a lot of it, after we recorded it, because quite, quite a lot of it was very rushed, um, a lot of the songs I wish I shortened or put more in because mm. I think a lot of it was like, it was quite... Like, big and expansive obviously like kind of post-metal vibes but I didn't want it to drag on that much you know what I mean because I think we've got a lot of it has post-metal influence but we still want that kind of like almost like a lot of it I want the kind of metallic hardcore don't know what's coming up next kind of vibe on it so that's a, yeah that's kind of the aim with that if that makes sense so um, yeah so I think with some of the longer heavy bits I always try to like change it up and make it a little bit more interesting rather than just like, you know, deep sludge for 10 minutes, you know, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, we, we tried to get a bit of everything we wanted in one solid album. Yeah. So <clears throat> you kind of get a bit of it all. You get like the heavy, fast ones, you get some long melodic ones. And um, yeah, we, we, we definitely just went into the studio with a lot of skeletons of songs and kind of put it together there, which was a... Uh, 
interesting way of doing it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a, a lot of a lot of it was super super rushed. So I was away for about three four months with my other band, um, just toying around. And then so we, when we got back, we had you know three quarters of it written about. And then in the two weeks when after I got back, we had like four or five days recorded um, recording already booked in. So we had to within that two week two weeks like finish I think three or four songs, like heaps of little shit we wrote in the studio. It was super rushed, but I think it somehow worked in the end. So I think we we're right. So let's sort of take it back a little bit. Uh, you finished your EP. When yep. did you start working on the the, the new album? I don't know when we did. It wasn't straight away. It would have been when like. I guess because we recorded it, we actually recorded it ages ago, recorded in August 2017. So it would have been maybe early 2017. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I had like, I had a lot of skeletons of songs that had already been worked. Some of them had been like written way beforehand that I've kind of brought back. Everyone's always got that riff bank with things that were recorded, I remember. But I think it was, yeah, a little bit after the EP, got a little bit of traction on that. Um, and then, yeah, started writing on that. It was kind of hard because um, I'm in another band that's a bit more busy now, so I was kind of trying to find time to do do this and, and make it right and make it, like, you know, do it justice, which was kind of the hard thing, but we got there in the end after stressing really hard before recording, so... Definitely both the, uh, the EP and the album, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves by booking it. Yeah. And then just... It's locked in now. We gotta, we gotta get it done. So I think yeah. we we booked in the, the album because Mike Deslandis, the guy that is uh, the one that records all our stuff, we just booked in whenever he was free because he was locked in for a whole year, pretty much. He's a busy, and, busy man. Yeah, so we was like, all right, we got six months to put our heads down and <laughs> get this shit yeah. done. Because otherwise we don't do shit. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll book it. No, we got to make the songs better, and then you don't end up doing anything. So if you book it. You put pressure and make yourself do it, which is a good thing. Yeah, mm. especially um, booking a first show unprepared as well. Oh, Just yeah, yeah. giving ourselves a date to, you know, make sure it's uh, done. Yeah. It's, otherwise, we'd just be jamming every couple of weeks and yeah, don't not do really shit. doing anything. That... Um, so, like, obviously, you know, you'd written the EP, recorded the EP. Did you take any sort of any lessons from that? Any things you wanted to change or improve? Um, I definitely did sound-wise. Um, I wanted to make the drums just sound as punishing as hell as as possible. So, um, Mike knows kind of exactly what I wanted anyway. So I was just like, okay, with this one, I just wanted to make it sound like you're getting you know run over by a steam train. Like when you hear the double kick, everything, um, which isn't like. Obviously, it isn't a black metal album, so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have, obviously, the black metal crusty feel, but that's kind of not what I was wanting anyway. Mm. I was wanting to sound like you're getting punched in the face as soon as you hear a kick drum, which I think we successfully did. Like, he just nailed it on the bass, on the, ba- on the kick. But actually, all the drums, it sounds, it sounds huge. Alex, our drummer's a bit of a perfectionist as well. He's yeah. really, really good at, um, like, building structures to songs. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, he was he's a vital piece of the band in terms of um, you know, all the weird timings and 
we had bridges and stuff, and you know we spent a lot of time tracking drums because uh, you know he was very very picky and particular yeah. person with how he wants it to sound. Yeah, definitely. But uh, bless him. Yeah. Even going back there, like lyrically, I think I um I was happy with you know how I approached it. Like I I had everything tracked. And had a whole long list of lyrics that I just pieced together over um, the 12 months since the EP. And then once it was tracked and I had the structures to work with, I sort of locked myself in a room for a couple of days. Uh, a couple of bottles of wine, a few Dexies, and uh, um, <laughs> you know, a few spliffs and uh, kind of pieced it all together at uh, you know the early hours of the morning. And then, yeah, I was pretty happy with... Uh, with my approach to it, I'd probably do something similar, maybe less substances next time. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was that that was the way I'd approach it. Yeah, I remember we went to, um, <laughs> what's that video game bar in the city and you brought your laptop and had some beers and did lyrics there? Yeah, yeah. We would have band meetings at um, Bartronica and <laughs> <with> their, um, <laughs> use their Wi-Fi and kind of put it all together there. Worked out? Yeah. Mm, now something we've mentioned before is the length of the songs. Now I think it was sort of pretty, you know, short to kind of mid on the EP. But yep. There are a couple of standouts that are a bit longer, pushing the length a bit. Yep. On this release, talk a little bit about those. Um, mainly the last song mm. that kind of ended up being, I guess, on the EP as well. That was the longest song as well, the last song. Um, but that just kind of needed to be that length, I think, to have that effect. And that was like a drony kind of like post-metal song to begin with. And before that, it was going to be that one first riff, the whole song. And I went, no, it's going to be boring as fuck. So then I changed it and put in these other stuff with it. Um, but I think we... The way we were approaching it really is not going, like searching for a time, but more just what suited the song. So whenever we wrote something, it'd be like, okay this has too many parts or too little parts and needs to go for longer, give it time to breathe and so forth. Um, but as I was saying, like a lot of it now, I'm like, I wish I put a little bit more little, you know, thingies in there to interest your brain a bit. But I guess no one has really critiqued that on that about it, only myself. So, so I think it went all right. But um, some of the short ones, they're, they're meant to be that short, mm-hmm. I think. Like the two-minute straight up hardcore bangers I think it needs to be that much that that long to be the effect have that effect but um, yeah it depends on what the vibe is yeah we had a few shorter quicker ones that we scrapped the last minute that we were um, yeah, I wanted to keep them on but I think we wanted to keep it a <laughs> 10 10 song yeah. under that album um, that last song on the album Driftwood was probably the the newest song we wrote before we hit the studio and um yeah, at that time, me and, me and Alex were getting very into Almenra, so we were just trying to push Will into going down that style. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to de- uh, sort of dive a little bit more into the writing, both, both yeah. you kind of guys. Um, so, in general, like, so you've, you talked a little bit about <coughs> sketching out some songs, and we'll go into that in a minute. Yeah. But, like, in general, like, how does the band sort of come together on a... How does something come together for the band? Initially, a lot of it is I'm really shit at thinking up song like riffs and stuff on the spot. Sometimes I get lucky and some of it works. So, but majority of the time it doesn't. So, and I'm quite picky with something being good enough to make a cut or 
to be in a band or whatever. So most of it I kind of write at home and a lot of it's kind of like when I'm just like sitting on bed, on my bed with a guitar fucking about and then I'll loop it and then do second guitar stuff over that. Then what I'll do from that, so this is just the majority of the time we do it. I'll bring that to practice, jam it out kind of with Alex a bit more and then obviously Mike will come over with some ideas over it and figure it out. And then we kind of just structure it from that and then try and piece it all together. So sometimes I'll have, not the majority of the time, sometimes I'll have a full song and then we'll just cut shitloads of it out and replace it with other things and so forth. So it's kind of a, it's not a quick process as much as we try and rush it. Um, I just think I'm not an overly quick songwriter. So, and I want it to not be just bullshit so I kind of like try and make sure it's good enough or I'm happy with it and if I was listening to it you know by myself I'd be stoked with it that's kind of my aim um, but then obviously the other thing is is because it's not a band of just me it's a band with five people I need to make sure everyone's happy with it and then so that's why it gets changed and it turns into a different thing most of the time better than what I had originally anyway spend a lot of time arguing yeah. and um, you know telling everyone each other's ideas yep. and parts of shit but um yeah, that's what makes a band. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, you know. And it's good because it's good, like, difference about not being just myself releasing it is because it has that vibe and it makes it way more interesting or some other stuff going on. So it's, um yeah, makes it, it's a very communal effort in the end, which is good. Mm. So I want to drill down you kind of, your sort of, I don't know, writing, creativity individually. So, like, you, you know, you're sort of coming up with those initial ideas you're trying to track together vocals on top of what's sort of been generated. Yeah. How do you, what's your kind of process? Like, do you have moods? Do you have a particular source of inspiration? Like, how do you, how does it work for you to generate those ideas to sort of move the project forward? Yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of, like, phrasing the songs, um, I just go by the old uh, Ozzy Osbourne trick. Um, I remember he was once saying, like, he'd get the riffs and he'd just shout gibberish over the top of it so he'd work out the phrasing and then piece it all together from that um so that's a similar way to how i would approach it once i've got the song handed to me and i record the riff on my phone and then i'd spend a lot of time just listening to it over and over again and just getting the mood for it and i guess the the mood of the album uh with will's riffs are pretty dark um you know i was going through a pretty shitty time through the whole process so it kind of uh you know came out a bit naturally the band I was doing previously was more of a, a doom band, so I guess um, the, the stuff I was writing wasn't so personal, it was just, you know, writing violent words on a piece <laughs> of paper and just trying to, I guess, trying to paint an ugly picture with words, yeah. and I still I still try to do that a bit, so yeah, that's, that's, that's more or less my approach in terms of that. Like, the way I write is a lot of it, I think a lot of it depends on what I'm listening to all the time, so... I listen to a, a lot, luckily, because if I listen to one band, it would just be... If it was going to sound like The Secret, like I thought I wanted to do initially, it would probably be boring as fuck because it would just be a copy of The Secret. So um, whatever I'm listening to at the time definitely does influence how I write stuff. But half of the time is that I'm like just on my bed riffing or trying to figure out dumb chords. I don't know where they are because I haven't had proper practice. Um and then go, oh, that sounds cool. And then trying to work on that. And then it kind of just flourishes from that. But there's definitely usually key points that influence me to write something in a similar vibe. 
um, or away. So yeah. Yeah, and I guess like, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, like in terms of the way I'd kind of approach it, in that way would you know I'd find like one phrase or one sentence and kind of build it on that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my notebook in my phone and at home is like just long lists of phrases that I would just come up with late at night or you know the the thoughts you get before you go to sleep or that are keeping you up all night you just yeah. pencil it down and forget about it and then come back to it when you kind of need something to to fit that particular phrase Definitely. Yeah. funny thing on that on the song claw marks that really quick frenetic one i did that in my own my old works toilet which luckily there wasn't many people who work there into the the voice um the voice recorder on it so it came up in my head i'm like oh i'm, I'm gonna forget this shit so i went in there and just went did it and did it and did it and did it and did it and, did it, and then listen back to that later and figure that out on guitar and then i'm like oh yeah i've got it <laughs> would have been the lamest shit to hear if you're just walking past though so oh, that's how that's how a lot of songs are written in my old band was just um someone be at work and a riff would pop in their head and they're like oh shit i can't forget this so they pull their phone out and hum the riff into their microphone yeah. on their phone and then when they get home later get the guitar out and that's yeah that's a good way of putting stuff together I guess <laughs> but nearly all the time I get that is while I'm in the shower and then cause you're not doing shit you're just washing your body enjoying the enjoying the water and then you think of a sick riff and then you're like fuck I'm in the shower I can't record it or I can't play guitar and then as soon as you get a guitar out of the, the shower you usually forget it I'm like alright it's gone Called a mind riff, and then yeah, Party Vibes had a song about that mind riffs. Mind riffs, yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny like that because what, what, what's up with the brain? Uh, yeah. What's it doing? Like, because you, you're just chilling. Yeah, you know, even if you're thinking, you're probably not necessarily thinking of music. Yeah, and like like music, not like ideas or words. Like music, little stuff will happen in your brain. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. Yeah, it's like I've had times where I've written. And, like, I'll just start playing something, and it's like, oh, this is sick. And then I'll chuck my headphones in, and then that riff that I thought that I'd come up with is, like, something I'd been listening to a week ago that I forgot yeah. about. And I was like, oh, shit. I straight up <laughs> I straight up copied a riff with one of my old bands in Tassie. He's playing this hardcore band. And wrote the song. I'm like, yeah, sick. Got this, like, real ignorant mosh bit at the end. And then realized it was... Uh, exact note for note copy of a, a mosh riff out of a comeback kid song like a really old comeback kid song and i'm like oh, i need to fuck change this so we had to go in and just like change it slightly so it worked i'm like yeah it's all right <laughs> oh that's funny
So the album was produced, mixed, mastered by the same people as EP. Why did you choose to go down that same route? Um, Mike has been... He's always been great, but I think he's just been honing his craft more and more recently. Um, especially, he does everything from like Cosmic Psychos to... Um, you probably heard his other band, Yulba, which he's recorded as the best Australian like heavy release I've heard in ages. Um, and that came out before we started recording, and I was just like, this sounds insane. Um, and I think we just trust him. And he's one of those people who are really similar to us. So it's like you can kind of say whatever you want or like, and he'll do it or do it better than what you're thinking to start with, which I think with nearly everything, especially with guitar tones, all this type of shit. So we've like listened to all the, you know, a lot of the same bands he likes, we like, or vice versa. And you, we kind of gradually got to know that more the more I, we got to know him. Um, I think firstly, when we first recorded with him, I didn't know shit about him. I just knew he was in a band called Coerce. I think Mike knew more. Yeah, I yeah. was a fan of stuff he's produced and um, put together. And I was like, oh, we got to go with this dude. Yeah. He's, he's like doing all the good heavy stuff at the moment that, uh, you know, Australia seems to have been, um, you know, lacking in that sort of department. Like we were either going to know him or um, Jason from Goat Sound. Yeah, we even weighed up um, Joel Taylor as well, who's, who's also fantastic, and he's done one of my other bands as well, which would have been definitely one of the other options. But then we decided to go with Mike, and then we just vibed him out even more. And it's just he just knows kind of exactly what we, we want as a band. And, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I was a big fan of that Robotosaurus album, and I thought for ages that he was the one behind the... Uh, the channels of that it turns out it was the old studio that he used to own. Oh yeah. But um, I was like, oh, we can go with Mike. He recorded that Robotosaurus album. Then we get there, he's like, oh, I never recorded that. Gonna work out though. Part yeah. Deception. <laughs> but we've been had like with the new release, especially we've had amazing like people just saying about the actual quality of the production and how it sounds. So like, uh, I've listened to a, a podcast recently with these dudes in the UK and I'm like sounds like amazing production but like it, I don't know how they describe it I said it was really good production but sounds like it's like got a forest vibe or something to it they said something really funny and I'm like oh, I don't really get that but it was like they're vibing it I think because there's a lot more the vocals are quite dark and a bit more rough than a normal high production album if that makes sense yeah and I guess I, I i just use an SM58 yeah. <laughs> rather than an expensive microphone because that's what I feel most comfortable with in terms of getting the, I guess, the best performance out of me in yeah. the, the weirdest way of saying that. Um, but yeah, and we, we also were big fans of um, just anything that Brad Boatwright had touched. Yeah. Uh, shouts out to him if yeah. you're listening. But uh, <laughs> I met the guy, but um, yeah, he's... he's name on records just stuck out for me a lot like he'd, he'd even done all the sun records and eye on fire well, the nails if, ones yeah, as well if you if you type his name in discogs and see the stuff he's mastered you're like oh, that's wow. insane no, that's what he's doing yeah he's he was very affordable very quick very uh yeah, yeah very responsive and yeah I, i'd definitely go with him again if if we needed a mastering album sure 
So I want to ask you a, a couple of sort of more specific questions about the album. Um, Sinkholes features a saxophone. Yeah. Interesting choice. Um, I guess in general for heavy music, um, except if like you're an avant-garde band. <laughs> as far as, sorry, uh, this is, I know, I wouldn't, if you're on the phone, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother you with this shit. But <laughs> sorry. I, was, I was at a friend's house and we were watching, do you know John Zorn? No. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, avant-garde saxophonist. No. Um, and he's like, he's one of those guys who dipped his toe into like metal slash grindcore just because right. he's so out there. Like uh, yeah. mo- most other sort of proficient saxophonists wouldn't bother. And so we're watching a concert of his um, and he was like doing improvised jazz. And But for the first half of the gig, he was like conducting the improvised jazz <laughs> and started looking at the guys and just pointing his head and pointing at the people and like getting them to do stuff. And then he's going, he's... Like, you, you know what he does. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, like, almost atonal, mindless, <laughs> blowing into a saxophone. Yeah, yeah. Um, shit, where was I going with that? <laughs> yeah, saxophone. So, yeah. <laughs> where do we come to that? I, I think I know where I came to that initially. I think I was listening to a lot of the song Blow Your Trumpets, Gabriel by Behemoth, and it has big horns at the end. I was like, I want some big fucking horns at the end of this, but on a D-beat <laughs> hardcore song. And then it's, I didn't know what horns they were. And then I kind of was, I think I was Googling it. And I think I like, when is it this? And we was like, oh, well, let's just go with sax. Because <laughs> we had a mate who played sax, my friend Mika Coleman. So um, we got him in, I gave him a six pack and he laid down some sax on it. And what we did to make it sound a bit more grim, because you can't, you can't realistically get as low as we wanted to get. So what we did was did one take um split it in two and then pitch shifted one of them down an octave so i just had the two octaves going or one like way lower um so that's what happened with that yeah mm. it's a bit <laughs> weird saxon and uh, that's what i was like that's why i find it funny though yeah that was when you gave me the idea when you pitched it to me i was like fuck yeah man let's get some saxophone <laughs> like <laughs> i think half our band i was like that sounds that's the dumbest idea ever and then I got him in to play it because no one knew what, what we were doing with it and then I got him in got him to play it and everyone was like ah now I get it it was good it was, it was even we just wanted to get an, an extra layer under it yeah. that would kind of you know bring it out a bit more like even in the um, the EP I had all this noise equipment that we'd slowly that we'd just tracked a, a extra feedback layer under it yeah it was like this little spring box with um, contact mics through like a delay pedal and all sorts of stuff. And I was just scratching it and um, fucking with the sounds of it. And then that's just kind of a real subtle layer under some of the songs on the EP. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I lost that thing. So we didn't. You lost know. it? Uh, uh, I found it again moving house, but I, I didn't know where it was at the time of the morning. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll bring that back. Um, for, uh, for a future endeavor, <laughs> yeah. and Riffwood, uh, there's a sample on it, um, if I'm not mistaken. Like, uh, yes. What's that from? Why'd you include that? Um, oh, that was from watching that. I watched that movie like a few months before it. Uh, it's a movie called Bad Boy Bobby. Um, it's like an old Australian movie. Like, I really wanted a sample, but I wanted to make sure it was like an Australian sample, and like it's kind of like a, a cult old Australian movie from the 80s um, about this guy that gets out of a mental home and goes goes nuts on the world and just can't handle 
his surroundings. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a pretty wild movie. And, um, yeah, there could have been a million quotes I could have got from that, but that was just one particular one where this, uh, I think he's like a shrinker doctor, is just telling her about how you know the whole world's against you pretty much. <laughs> and there's, there's no one ever going to be looking out for you, ever. <laughs> it's good. It works. Yeah. It's a good finishing quote for the, the last one on the album, which is kind of like fits in with all the lyrics with it as well so yeah that's why we put it in it's good um some more general questions about the album so title where's that come from why'd you choose it it's actually the very last lyric on the on driftwood on the very last song um i think which mike wrote and i remember when we were at the pub at, at bartronic <laughs> <ranging lyrics, laughs> a couple of years people playing like Nintendo 64, like Mario Kart and shit right behind us. And we were like, ah. Oh. And that lyric for me, um, when I was reading through Mike's lyrics, kind of stood out. And I think we kind of had a discussion about it. Where, like, it kind of work fits in with the whole theme of the album, I'd say. Yeah, and I guess the, the very last line of the album, for that to be the um, yeah. album title, it kind of all builds into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time and ahhing of what the title should be or if we should just call it the uh the, the self-titled album or no haven two or the black album or the white album <laughs> I don't know, like. <laughs> uh what about the artwork who'd you get to do that and what was their brief um the artwork is done by uh, a guy i know in madrid called um rodrigo Almanegra. Rodrigo Almanegra. Um, he actually goes by a, a different name, really, but his art name is Rodrigo Almanegra. Spanish pal. Yeah. Um, but I kind of got to know him through... Um, we played a show with a band called Rollo Tomasi from the UK, which is actually that, that first show we played with that Bellhaven band as well. Um, and Rollo Tomasi's merch was amazing. I was like, this looks fucking awesome. Right up my vibe. Um, so what I did is I got on the old internets and searched up their big cartel, found the artist and then emailed him, um, to actually do a t-shirt initially. So he did, um, we did a t-shirt with his plague doctors on it and he absolutely killed it. Um, so we've always been discussion with him, I think since that, and I went over with my other band and played in, um, Belgium and he actually came to me with the original artwork for the t-shirt and he gave it to me and it was like way smaller than I thought it was like a tiny little square and I'm like what the fuck I thought it was huge it was like this big um, but super super fine detail um, and we've just been in contact ever since that and then when this one came out we we're gonna do we we're initially gonna do a photo um, within the same vibe as what Rodrigo did anyway it was gonna be it was kind of we're very umming and ahhing what we wanted to do because we didn't want it to look, you know, too pretentious or anything and kind of like we wanted to fit the album very well. And then after the discussion with Rodrigo and then obviously all of us, uh, we ended up going down the art, obviously the art route um, or drawing route and he just nailed it, whipped it up super quick and as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's killer. Did a few little tweaks and stuff and then that's what it is. Shout out to Rodrigo. I'll be in Spain uh, in a couple of months. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's hang out, buddy. Yeah. Really good dude. <laughs> um, so I, I do a little bit of checking around to see like whether you got any up, uh, upcoming gigs. I notice you don't, but on Facebook, I think you said you're working on it. Any? 
We do. Any yeah. specific plans? So I'm, I'm guessing by the time this will be out, it'll oh, be yeah, well and truly announced. Um, we're playing with Cult Leader at the Tote, and another show at Staygold on um, Good Friday with um, Pagan, Blind Girls, Outright, and Boundless. Should Is that big of a lineup? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, it's huge. Bring it up, just uh, just so I don't forget to mention anybody, but... Um, who was it? Yeah, just those two look locked in for the moment. Um, we're kind of looking into maybe doing our own headline because we haven't we released this album. We haven't even done a headline show, but we haven't played for a, over a year. So it's kind of um, I've been the last. I think our first jam is next week, um, but I've been trying to relearn the riffs that I've forgotten. <laughs> so like. Got all my guitars set up, it's all good, and I've been jamming at home going, okay, this is how it goes, and now it's back in my brain again, so we're good to go. But um, got those two shows, um, really psyched to play the Toby Cold Leader, because that's going to be fucking amazing. Yeah, just trying to lock in more dates, because uh, everyone's pretty busy, I'm yep. going overseas, Alex is going overseas, um, Will's about to do another album cycle with these other bands, and um, our guitarist, Alan, has... Uh, just kicked off Grim Rhythm, and they they seem to be kicking goals as well. So oh, they're they're playing at the Tivoli in Brisbane with Ghost today. Yeah, oh, nice. yes, yeah, so <laughs> like they got a big show going on. But um, yeah, doing that, and then like we're just trying to fit it in. That's our, our we're all so busy, and everyone's got other bands as well. So it's kind of it's sorting that out. It's all in the same room at the same time, but yeah. um, you know, we'll we'll definitely uh, try to get some uh, stuff going and um, hopefully finally play play Brisbane before the year is done. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's our main aim is to play Brisbane because we haven't done yeah. that yet. You know, big goals here. You know, <laughs> go slightly north in the country. <laughs> yeah, if it's one of the weekends that Angus doesn't have a wedding on, which seems to be yeah. every single weekend. You know, Angus is going through that phase in his life where he's just um, you know, he's got engagement parties and weddings, and yeah. you know, I guess that's what's uh, you know. Push thirty is uh, <laughs> does to a man. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, my uh, other podcast friend. She's got lots of weddings and interrupts that podcast. And... <laughs> it's all at the same time as well. It's never split up. It's yeah, always like bam, got heaps. Kind of jealous, to be honest. Like you know, weddings, weddings are a good time. Like you know, if anyone, any of my friends are listening, please get married. <laughs> please, please invite me to your wedding. I've only been at <laughs> one proper wedding. And, like, I'm 30 now. I've done fuck all. Like, I've been to one wedding. I think what I did was, annoyingly, all my mates from Tassie, I moved up ages ago, so I've become disconnected with everyone a bit. So, like, only some of my other, like, really close mates are about to get do their thing now. But heaps of my kind of, like, mates who I'm still friends with got married, but I haven't really challenged them for years, so I've missed out on the whole wedding season. Um, and none of our Melbourne mates actually now they are starting to get married. I'm looking forward to the uh, you know when everyone starts getting divorced. Because <laughs> those divorce parties are going to be real fun. Yeah, they like, yeah, they're probably going to be more loose than the weddings itself. So, <laughs> um, you know that's 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 something that'll happen later in life for sure. Divorce parties actually sound sick. Yeah, man, I'd love to get divorced. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to get married just so I can get divorced straight yeah, after and have my divorce party. That's, <laughs> That's my my intentions there. Um. <laughs> um. So, I want to kind of 
do a little bit of free uh, sort of discussion because yeah. since you're in studio, it's a little bit easier to have kind of the free discussions. Yeah. Um, and then maybe finish off with a couple more personal <laughs> questions. Um, like talk a little bit about like what's it like to be in a band because it's a very like weird thing to do, which most people don't do. Yeah. Um. It's kind of hard to explain. Uh, I think that the kind of the funniest thing to explain about this, let's say about, I was going to talk about playing live, which is one of the, I find it really fun and a bit of an, a release, but I was just remembered a mate, an old, old Tassie mate who once said, like, I think we're going to Falls Festival or some shit. And it's like, why would you go and watch a band live when you can listen to them on CD? <laughs> and I guess from an outside perspective, it, some of it does sound, even like most people like watching live bands, a lot of it, from an outside perspective, might look a bit seem a bit weird. So I do get that question. Yeah, I definitely think the the older you get, like the weirder it seems to the people that aren't <clears throat> involved in that world at all. Like uh, you know, work colleagues and you know, Christmas gatherings and stuff. Yeah. Like you know, I think after the age of maybe you know your early twenties, it stops being cute and is like, well, you know, w- w- what else are you doing with your life? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it's kind of weird because it kind of like the more you do it, it almost becomes a bit of an identity. And I think a lot of the, I don't know, like all, nearly all my mates play in bands or are involved in bands or go and watch bands all the time. Like it's almost becomes, a, a, or it is a scene. So like we're definitely involved in our, I guess, Melbourne scene. Um, I think with band, being in a band, I think the main thing is just being able to create something and release it. So I guess that's the main, the main benefit or the rush, I guess a rush, if it is a rush that you get from it, I think making music is being able to go, okay, cool. We made this on our, in our own time, we spent time doing it and it's come out like this, you know, and people enjoy it. Some people don't enjoy it, but I think that's the kind of the main thing and the gratification you get when someone's like, oh, that was sick. Or whatever it might be, you know. So I think that's I think the main reason. Like I'm stoked if I have you know some these English dudes on the other side of the world who've listened to my album who I've never met beforehand and they enjoyed it. Like that's awesome to me. Like, yeah, yeah, I find it a bit like I'm, I'm just an awkward person. I can't really uh, take a compliment. So if somebody says they like my band, I'm just like, oh yeah, thanks. Um. It is kind of always <laughs> weird. Like, oh yeah, cheers, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Uh, did you actually listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's it. And I guess the other thing is obviously you get to hang out with your mates and chat shit when you do it, you know? Like, we're, I guess we're people, we're very social, so we don't necessarily need to be in a band. But I think it's that one thing out, it's the main creative thing that yeah. we need to go, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I use it. I, it's, it's definitely like a, a, an outlet for me in some way. Like, you know, it, it's a good, especially doing vocals. Oh, definitely. It's um, you know, it's a it's a very nice release in some some regard, especially playing shows. Like you know, I, I try to you know let it all out and to the point I'm shaking and sweating and stuff. But um, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of people who sing in heavy bands. You know, say the exact same thing about you know doing that style of music and the release that you get from it. Like, yeah, yeah it's surreal. Like playing shows and stuff. Like definitely fall into a different space and kind of just let loose and it's uh it feels good man (laughs) there's not many other ways you kind of i guess you know 
to be able to release a, a little bit of yourself in a way. So I feel like, I think music to a lot of people when they're creating it, it's very personal. I think this music, the way I write it, it's very like, that's the way I write. So it's kind of like a an aspect of myself if I show that, you know what I mean? And mm. the same for you. Like when you're like writing lyrics and singing, it's definitely like an aspect of yourself. You're going, cool. Yeah. So then I think people watching that, they can go, okay, cool. That's these people, I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but yeah. I think that's kind of the pushing yourself out there a bit so people can, I guess, see it. Playing it live is definitely where I get the most out of it. Like, even, like, rehearsing and stuff, you know, just kind of sitting in the corner drinking a (laughs) six-pack, observing, and then, you know, once everything's all thrown together and we can rehearse, that's when I kind of get a bit more involved. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's certainly... I'd do it more for the, the playing shows aspect of it all. Yeah. Like, yeah whether it's to a room of like, you know, five people or 50 or, you know, more than that, like, it's, it's always good to let loose. Yeah, definitely. Once in a while. Yeah! <laughs>
So I think, I think especially at the top of the show, you mentioned kind of the dark, heavy... Can't remember what adjective she used. <laughs> but yeah, like that, that kind of you know this kind of space of music. Yeah. You know where like heavy metal, hardcore, kind of very broad. Like you can have very positive, kind of you know more melodious music. But then you know there is a very sort of specific part of it which you know has a very aggressive focus. Yeah. Which is definitely uh, you know where this kind of band fits. Talk a little bit about the attraction of that particular idea well we pretty much pick the worst type of <laughs> worst type of genre to market ourselves <laughs> it's like i don't know i think it's because a lot of that is what i guess i listen to i think that type of weird it's like i'm just naturally drawn to it i think because it's a little bit different and i think i don't know maybe it's a bit more dark or i don't know yeah. what, what's like, going on you know i crack a lot of jokes and you know have fun a lot but uh you know deep down I'm a pretty cynical person so um you know I feel like naturally I kind of go that direction yeah and a lot of the um a lot of stuff I'm into is that so a lot of the music I listen to a lot of the books I read movies I watch kind of goes down that path and yeah it definitely stems from you know all of that and uh you know just channeling that wherever I can like I don't think I've written a, a happy, positive song <laughs> the yeah. whole time I've been playing in bands, which is like high school. I find so, it really hard yeah. to write happy music. Really fucking hard to write it. So the other band I'm playing is like a pretty posy, uh, uh, like punk band. And I'm, I can write for it, but it's hard. And some of the songs, the songs we're writing for No Haven are quite a lot more complicated and stuff going on. But I find that way easier than writing a normal structured kind of like punk song, which is a weird thing. Like I don't get why, but it's it's kind of hard for me to write that way. Mm, it, I you know this is not music I really typically listen to. I think I was in the car with a friend and had on Blink One Eight Two for whatever reason. Yeah. And although it's not music that I necessarily enjoy, there is something very admirable about the ability to be that kind of catchy. Yeah, definitely. There, there is something like I don't know whether it's just you know uh, fluke that people just happen to like that music, or they just had this orientation towards writing catchiness. But like, it's not something people can just do, even if the music at sort of ten thousand foot level is very simple. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the main thing is Blink One Eight Two obviously have the choruses, but there's an actual scientific. Um, structure of songs I think it's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus bridge, outro or some shit, I can't remember what it is but it's scientifically proven to be the most liked format of writing a song so if you write within that which the majority of pop artists always do um, and you know how to you know, obviously it's more to that but um, if you know how to do that and write a good catchy catchy chorus within the right thing uh, you know that's why they're so big yeah but I, I don't know how you know all that funk music being you listen to in the car and how, <laughs> you know real happy soul and love songs uh, I don't know how they fucking write those songs yeah I have no idea uh, that, that's why I can appreciate that uh, yeah <laughs> I really really fucking love disco music yeah we were listening to um, we listened to a lot of drum and bass uh, on the on way the way here yeah um, <laughs> Yeah, because old mate from the prodigy died. We just playing, went yeah. into a bit of a you know a hole in regards to that kind yeah, of, we to, era of uh, 
music, but goddamn, man. Prodigy and Faithless on the way here. It was <laughs> yeah. sick. So when the, when it's dark later, we're gonna like bliss out and pump Faith, Faithless really hard yeah. and pretend we're on eighteen pingers at four a.m. <laughs> yeah. in the Bergheim, just going fuck. <laughs> yeah. Drive at one hundred and seventy k's an hour. Yeah. Like foot's great. I find the space that I really listen to like heavy music is like you know. Public transport is really yeah. like a big one for me. Like, just listen to like the most aggressive music ever, or when I'm like driving around by myself. But like, I find if I'm with company, I've got uh, you know some tracks that I feel like doesn't matter who's in the room, you just yeah. chuck it on, and everyone can sort of vibe it in a way or get nostalgic over it in, in some regard. That's definitely yeah. a heavy music thing. I think heavy music for a lot of people will depend, especially this kind of like niche. If you'd say of heavy music, it's quite personal for people I think like I don't listen to that like most of this shit unless I'm like with you yeah maybe but like most people don't listen to it out in the open with a lot of heavy music because the majority of people just don't like it you know what I mean so it's, um, it's like yeah it's reserved for music I've listened to when I'm mostly by myself yeah and it's uh yeah it's, it's, it's a weird thing but it's always been something that's uh you know has drawn me into it just like just the aggression and intensity. Yeah. I guess the, the sonic intensity of it as well. Like, yeah, I just like to, to be crushed. <laughs> stuff. Like, especially watching it live too. Like, I feel like I get the most out of watching something heavy. Yeah. If I'm watching a band live or just like, you know, needing earplugs because it's just so blisteringly loud. Yeah. Like, Are you in the same boat with any of that? You think like... It's- like something about heavy music do you think that you're more drawn to as well yeah I don't, I don't know it's kind of this weird thing because it's like this disposition that you have and it's difficult to analyze the, your like state yeah because like you're thinking about how you are or, like you just feel how you are yeah um but like it's interesting because yeah it's so true about listening to that kind of music sort of by yourself yeah because I, I have a good friend who we have kind of a bit of a crossover in our musical tastes and we'll listen to like music, you know, if we listen to that kind of music with each other, like we'll mostly sort of just be silent. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like we're specifically, yeah, yeah. we're specifically listening to it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no, it is interesting like that. Yeah. yeah I don't know what makes us this way. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. That's going to be a weirdo. Yeah. So I want to sort of ask you some more personal questions now. Will, start yeah. off with you. When, when did you pick up the guitar and what was it that made you stick with it? I picked up the guitar, I think, <laughs> I, know the, I, I know the first riff I played. My brother gave me, I had like a nylon string acoustic and I was seven and he listened to a shitload of old Metallica and I played the main heavy riff, was the first riff I've ever played with to, to Live Is To Die by Metallica of Justice For All, which listening back to it now is that they hit, like is heavy as fuck when I was seven, but I never listened to any other metal. For like my whole primary school. I listened to like Presidents of the United States of America and Grinspoon and shit. That was pretty much my primary school. Apart from Metallica. Um, but I don't know why exactly I stuck with it. I think I just got interested in it and started getting into bands. Um, started like learning, I think maybe like Metallica tabs or some shit. But when I was in primary school, I had like a few kind of like basic lessons. Like doing the normal like G, C, D major chords and all that type of shit but um, I think major- I didn't have any other formal lessons after that so all of that was just filling around at home and my parents listened to me play really bad new metal songs in the lounge room playing heaps of like Sunk Lodo and shit 
Um, Cyclops are actually kind of mad if you ever go back to it. Yeah. No, no regrets. I can't think of a single Cyclops song. <laughs> No, they were Australian, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a rehash recently. It was actually, it was actually right. But um, I, I actually, I'm pretty sure I've played them on the radio. Oh no shit! Only because I was doing this thing where I, I was doing 24 hours of heavy metal straight. Yeah, playing it for 24 hours. We all wait for 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last four hours. Were good. <laughs> um, but I, the way I sort of thought to arrange it was, I'll play like different genres for periods of time. So yeah, I'd play. An hour of thrash, two hours of death metal, two hours of black metal. Yep. And I thought I'll play an hour of like alt new metal. But also the problem is that the, the radio station had restrictions, which meant you could only play like 60% international, 40% Australian. Uh-huh. So I had to find Australian new metal bands. Yeah. And bands I've never come across. Like, Surely you had uh, 28 Days somewhere in the mix? I, they, they, I, they had the whole Olympics. I can remember that I had Super Heist, Sunk <laughs> Lotto. Um, They're the main two. Yeah, I'm not sure who else. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they had like... There would have been heaps of it in the freezer scene around that time. Yeah. That would have sounded like that, but um, you know, never, never made the cut. <laughs> A local Tasmanian new metal band called... <laughs> Bionic Bilby in the I think it was the early 2000s did a, like a road safety video I think it was like a drink driving it was, oh yeah it was a drink driving video and they were like you blah and it was like the most new metal thing of all time and that was on the TV every day there were two bands from Summary that were they may not have been new metal but to me they're new metal they were like Defect and um was the other one Defect is such a new metal band and Rupture and um, Rupture ended up naming themselves Circus and had like a Southern Cross in their logo <laughs> and um, had this video clip that was um, filmed by a uni student with like them all like in the spa drinking BBs with chicks and um, yeah I think they all uh, yeah I don't, I don't know where they are now but oh, they're, I'm sure they all they're touring Europe yeah. every 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 um, Australian band from the early 2000s that never made it here is all touring Europe well I think that band Defect ended up yeah yeah guys from Defect ended up being in that band um, Boris the Blade ah. which which got 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 pretty successful by the yeah, I think they got quite big things. yeah uh, and what about you Mikey me um, I guess you know bit of new metal talk I remember watching a lot of video clips as a kid and the ones that really stuck out to me were you know the corn videos and um, all that we're, we're talking like you know 11 12 year old Mikey yeah. and then you know someone someone's dad someone's stoner dad had a um, you know Metallica and Slayer CD and you know got into that through that and spent a lot of high school just trying to listen to the most like unlistenable to my parents uh, kind of music as I could um, when I was like 13, 14, me and, um, me and, me and a friend got a band together and jammed in my, um, my parents' barn on the farm. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't play an instrument for shit. Like I tried playing drums and guitar, so, um, I figured I'd give, uh, vocals a crack. And, um, I, ju- I just remember watching that, uh, that video. It was like a pig destroyer video. And, um... The the singer JR's microphone broke and he's just screaming on top of all the instruments and like you can hear him crystal clear. I was like, ah, that's <laughs> how you do it. So I remember like having like a ten watt um, like practice amp and a karaoke microphone that wasn't playing 
as loud, like couldn't amplify louder than all the other instruments, but you know, I'd just try and yell over the top of it and I guess that's kinda how I figured out what I could do with my voice in some ways. So yeah, yeah. I definitely can't do it. <laughs> I tried. That there's one one part in us guessing like three small sections on the album and the one part in claw marks which is like literally two sentences i blew my voice out doing that so if we tour like four days i'm fucked which we've done before when we did the three i think three or four dates at canberra sydney yeah thing i like completely lost my voice in the last day and i've like seen two sentences in it yeah like I, i think i just subconsciously figured out a way to not fuck my voice or throw it up yeah um i guess over the years all the uh all the ciggies of smokes has kind of uh you know done done all the damage needed to kind of um to push it out as much as I can. But yeah, like I I have no learned approach. It's more more or less just trying to, you know, make it as loud as possible and a couple more packs will do our Tom Waits album. <clears throat> yeah. Tom yeah. Waits style album a few years. Yeah, a bit of whiskey and uh yeah, I, I remember tracking the vocals in the EP and the album. I was, I was drinking a lot of, like, whiskey and, <laughs> and smoking cigarettes after every, um, after every vocal take. Just... Sure. Medical practitioners can definitely recommend that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of, like, I don't know, vocalist, guitarist, are there any notable ones that are influential on you? I mean, apart from, obviously, Pig Destroyer? Um... I definitely do. I just need to like, oh, uh, for me, weirdly, if like listen to obviously the music we write, one of my main ones is very much influenced of kind of like later in my life though, but Tom Self early Architects albums, which um, who's passed away now, but the first two albums they did, before, way before they blew up, um, as a metal guitarist. Uh, for like he was 16 17 18 or something um are ridiculous and now they're just like a massive like stadium gent band um but the old shit was super super influential for me at a certain period of my life so i had like one year straight listening to the one album which is album called ruin by architects which is like changed the way i write a lot of anything with like any kind of like multiple notes that sound slightly metal it's probably like influence from that in a way yeah um, mine vocally definitely yeah as i said jr from pig destroyer um i remember the first time i heard the uh the first daughter's ep in high school and just like the shrieking vocals on that it was just like whoa and um yeah i guess like early orchid i don't know if you ever heard of that band yeah. um their, their first couple of albums were just punishing just in the intensity and um when i decided to do a band again um after like a couple years break after high school um the first first on the way to the first jam before i like put any vocals i was listening to um i hate god and i guess like that just the just the way it sounds like over the top of the recordings like it doesn't sound perfect you can hear the voices breaking the recording like they're definitely what's uh inspired me as uh as a vocalist if, yeah. if, if you'd call it that <laughs> yeah. yeah i've definitely got like quite a few other 
guitarists inspire me, like, I guess from bands that are more relating to this music. There's like obviously Kurt Ballard from Converge and um, I guess a lot of the guitar work for band, like Italian bands like The Secret or Hierophant, which was kind of like directly influenced his band initially, or The Maya, which is kind of like a post-metal band. A lot of that type of style has kind of made what this is, I think. Oh yeah, no, definitely Converge. It's yeah. definitely a big one. Massive one. Especially over the years, like I keep forgetting to yeah. <laughs> forgetting how much of an influence that um that Converge was since like I think I discovered them when I was like fourteen because I saw everyone in I went to the city and saw everyone wearing a Jane Doe shirt and then I went to the record store and I saw that and I was like the fuck is this and I like that was the only thing I bought with my uh with my money from the uh the fish and chip shop that I earned. That's so, that's a sick natural <laughs> way of finding music. Yeah. You know, when you like see something you're like, oh, that's, oh like someone's got wearing some cool merch and like, that's sick and then you find the record or whatever and you're like, cool, I'm gonna get it. Barely anyone does that anymore. Yeah, it just so happened that every person I ran into that looked cool in my eyes at the time <laughs> was wearing like a, was wearing that Jane Doe shirt. I was like, fuck. Yeah. And I need to find out what that was. It's good ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, um, like I try and you know, obviously discover new bands. A lot of the, uh, that I sort of do through Bandcamp because a lot of yeah, people put yeah. their stuff on from Bandcamp. It's like, it's so, Bandcamp makes it so difficult because, you know, you guys are fortunate. You guys are being, I don't know, algorithmically pushed up into the, what I'm looking for. Uh, okay, and you're well, from, that's, good, that's good to hear. And you're from, <laughs> and you're from Melbourne, so you've got your own... Um, tag which appears in like the discovery section oh, but like if you try to look for anything from brisbane adelaide perth like you gotta fuck around really? by looking up the tags and you scroll down through all the genres yeah it's like it's it's weird like there's this sort of not great ability to discover music it's like. weird it's weird how algorithms work that way like I was, I was saying to one of my mates the other day how we announced the album after having like I think we're, we've got way more followers than when we firstly made a Facebook account or released the EP um, but it got barely any traction to start with on the Facebook post the EP that we released firstly before we had fuck all people who liked the fans got more likes and comments than the album did after like five times as many people who are like the page I think they it's, give you a good plug and then once you start giving them money they want some more out of it yeah it's fucked the best way of like discovering music, like I guess back in the day, was um, when there was all those blog spots. Do you remember the, those ones where like people would like upload an obscure demo or an album on like Mediafire, yeah, and then to do a write up on it, like pretty much review this band you've never heard of. Do you remember that's and still popping off? Russia. Yeah. We've, we've, yeah. We've noticed that our album's been leaked on uh, Mediafire, <laughs> but um. Yeah, fuck, that's, that was the only way I got into, like, weird, obscure music at one point in my life. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the entirety of the screamo that I've basically listened to. It's yeah. just, like, checking out, like, the, the Scrams blog, whatever. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, there was some good ones that just, like, leaked Australian stuff. So, like, you'd hear a demo from a band in Brisbane or something that, you know, you'd never get the chance to see because they yeah. were just a small local bands but you know you'd be able to get all this shit and yeah it was I found that was like a great way of discovering stuff like much better than Spotify like Bandcamp I find is a bit hard to navigate yeah. as you're saying like, Spotify after you listen to all the main artists that links you to 
you just get linked to the same thing all the time. So I get my playlist. I'm like, I already listened to all these bands. Yeah. But I guess I don't, I don't know how the algorithm works to go to new things I haven't listened to. But I think that's my issue at the moment, especially trying to find heavy music as well. It's kind of like I come across it really randomly when I find something I really like. Yeah, there's like no sort of central way. It's like, hey, I want every Australian heavy metal release. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't think most people want, but I want because like it's just my thing. Yeah. So it's, do you know you guys know the Metal Archives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I scroll through that quite a bit. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys are on there. I don't know if they consider you metal to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, that's annoying because then you guys... Awesome band, but they may have like issues with it because it's a bit hardcore. And, and so, like you're, you, I don't think you're on there. And so like all of these bands that either aren't on there, like, there's no sort of central place. It's like, hey, here's all the heavy yeah. music. Yeah, I, I love hearing people try to cat, like categorize our band because <laughs> it's like I don't know. People I say they like, oh yeah, it's kind of like crust, crust metalcore, blackened. It's like sick because it's like it's real funny because there's usually like five different descriptions of the band whenever they talk about I it. I usually just shrug my shoulders. Yeah, I don't know. yeah it's a metal band. <laughs> yeah. I say everyone at work, I'm like, yeah, I've got a punk band, then I've got a heavy band. That's what. I don't need to go too far into the genres of people. <laughs> yeah, but um, it sucks. Like missing link records. Did you remember that? Like that was like a vital part of like me discovering music is like a 13, 14 year old like. And I don't think, especially in the middle of the city, like, I feel like, you know, kids that are, you know, just going to the city to check it out and see what it's all about, there's, like, there's not that kind of thing anymore. Yeah, like, sure. You know, they're not really going to know to go to this suburb and find this record store here, and yeah. there's not going to be an in-store. Like, they used to have Sunday afternoon in-stores, and, like, yeah, I remember the one time I nearly saw Pig Destroyer there when I was, like, 15, but my uh, V-Line train got delayed and I rocked up just as they were like finishing packing up. But like I saw some cool bands there. I saw like Insect Warfare play there and like Fuck. all sorts of like old Australian bands that don't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. One final question. What have you guys been listening to, watching or reading recently? What have I been listening to? I'm going to get out my phone. What, <laughs> so, what I've been doing on my... I, I've... I've been listening to a lot on Spotify. I've listened to a really fun, cool Russian band called Wobod, um, which are quite similar to us, naturally. I've been listening to a lot of Rival Mob lately. Um, and what else have I been listening to? A lot of atmospheric shit. So I've been listening to a bit of like Niels Fram. Um, what else? <laughs> listen to Lil Ugly Mane which is the most like ig- <laughs> ignorant shit um, fuck I don't know it's a bit bit of a goes all around the place so listen to a really good like black metal band from Germany called Soul Grip recently and someone got me onto they're fucking mad real good um, I don't know I don't know it kind of goes goes around circles it really depends about how I feel when I get into a car or like if I've slept or I'm kind of like moody I feel like I listen to heavier shit actually when I'm happier. Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe if I'm well slept if I'm in good <laughs> good peak physical mental condition, yeah. I listen to heavier stuff, I think. Um, but if I'm kind of like barely slept or something, I'll put on something soothing. Yeah. I think. 
Yeah, at the moment I've been listening to like today I've just been listening to um this band Brain Bombs. There's like this weird Swedish noise band that yeah. sings about real fucked up shit like I'm not even gonna mention the song that that new daughters album for sure. Um King Dude. Um what else was I listening to? Recently discovered that Sun Kill Moon is like nice acoustic stuff. Oh, I haven't given that a hoon yet. And um yeah, Swans has been getting a lot of uh, like early Swans. Listen to them; like they've been getting a lot of uh, spin on me lately. Um, in terms of, like heavy stuff, yeah, that that new Cult lead has been fucking popping out. Yeah, I've been hearing them out as um, well. I discovered uh, that that old band from Brisbane, Manhunt. Ah, oh, they yeah. um they recently put all their stuff up on Spotify. So giving that a hoon. I got like a Palvans band, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like um, I think they came. Last time they came down was with like Shackles. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that that band Siege. It's like an old band from the 80s. The drama from. Well, have you ever seen Shackles live beforehand? They were drumming with two drummers for a while and they're like a power balance band. It was just fucking mental. And one of their drummers, drummers was Blind Girl. Blind Girls. Yeah. So I saw a band called Blind Girls from Brisbane. Brisbane on Gold Coast? And they're kind of like a Scramsy. Screams I Wish band with like just hectic drums and they're like they're doing the pagan tour and they're so fucking good life when it's on the weekend it's small um, place called The Burrow on the bottom of Brunswick Street if you've been there it's like it's like a little it's like this size but it, it was 40 degrees no air con and a shitty fan in the corner and it was so sick but I could barely breathe but yeah they're, they're really really good and the new album's really good as well yeah, one of my favorite bands at the moment, uh, like newer bands, is a band from New York, Uniform. They're like, drum, they started off as drum machine, guitar, kind of channel that old Godflesh ministry. It's like industrial, but it has more of a punk hardcore vibe. Yeah. Like the vocals over the top are just like so intense. Like it sounds, it's the old singer of that band, Drunk Driver. All right. Um, and yeah, like they put out an album a couple of months ago that just fucking, I haven't stopped listening to since it came out it's it's insane um to what i've been reading um been reading uh, hubert selby jr's book the room which is about a guy who's like incarcerated so maybe that's why i've been having these dreams (laughs) (laughs) it's about this guy that's incarcerated and he's just like it's just a um stream of consciousness about how he's gonna fucking break out and take revenge on the world it's pretty dark and grim Mike's dream when he told me in the car because I've had nightmares recently and he was like get this I had a dream that he was in a jail but it was the upstairs of the Bendigo but it was a jail <laughs> that was his dream yeah yeah um, yeah and watching um, I'm in the middle of watching uh, this four part documentary about um, this this married couple that got real famous because when she decided to divorce him, she she cut his dick off, and the whole it's like a four part. Hey, is that the one? Was that Frankencock? No, not Frankencock. There was this porn star <laughs> that got his dick cut off because he was cheating on his his wife or his girlfriend at the time. But so this is before he was a porn star, actually. Then she drove down the street, and th- I don't know how she cut it off and then ran off with his dick, but. Um, yeah, threw it into the, a bush it was, ob- it was obviously a piece of shit but then um, he reclaimed the cock somehow and they could somehow stitch it back to him yeah, and yeah. became a porn star afterwards and I'm pretty sure the movie's called Frankencock no 
It's like it's the guy that made the documentary. It's the guy that did that um, Get Out movie, like Jordan Peele. Ah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, I, the first episode doesn't get into the porn aspect of it, but the first one is just about like all the cops like getting the calls like, oh, this woman's cut her husband's penis off and can't find the dick, and like, <laughs> it's, oh, I need to watch this real bad. Like it gets, it's like the, the idea of it's real funny, but then it starts getting into the details and why she did it. It's like, oh, this is fucking grim, but yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting story. You should definitely check oh, okay. it out. <laughs> I forget what it's called, yeah. but um, I'm sure. I'm sure if you Google the right uh, the right things, did he did he deserve it? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Like you know, you shouldn't have even had his dick um, sewed back on. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> but they got really famous because of it. No <laughs> shit. Yeah. I'm on that um the Mexican narcos train. It took me a while because it's like a different show as the Colombian ones, but now I'm into it. It's good. Oh yeah, the the show that because oh, it's Wednesday. I'm going to check it out. The um. That, sh- that new show on Stan where it's like Steve Buscemi is God and um, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe's like works for Heaven Incorporated answering people's prayers and like fuck man like I didn't think it'd be as funny as it was but it's right. definitely definitely worth checking out <laughs> Steve Buscemi makes a good like washed up alcoholic God like it's <laughs> yeah I can't remember where I saw something about that but someone was talking about like the idea that capitalism is so brainwashed us that like when even when we conceive of other things like heaven <laughs> we just implement capitalism in heaven yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so good <laughs> oh it's definitely a great show you should check it out this is like him sitting on the couch like drinking watching the news and he's just like oh man i fucking give up like, <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned other band uh, yeah. a couple of times um talk a little bit about that and uh mikey i don't know if you've got anything else going on but uh i play in a band another band called clowns um and we got an album which stupidly <laughs> i organized the release of the no haven album and the exact same day that we announced the clowns album so i had to like double juggle shit and it was the dumbest shit of all time um but we're touring from like june for the rest of the year so go around to Europe and the States and Japan and stuff so we need to in the No Haven camp just try and get some shows in before that happens and then hopefully try and organize some shows when we come back because um, that's one of the main things that makes it harder for us to do shit as quick as, as we should and everyone's doing stuff you know Buddy Allen's playing with Ghost today so all that shit but um, yeah so everyone's very very busy and doing other things but trying to make it work Unlike me, uh, no Haven's the only <laughs> thing I've got going on at the moment, but um, yeah, it's just that thing, you know, when you're hanging out with someone, you're like, oh, we got to start a band, like, fucking this or that, you're like, yeah. yeah, let's fucking do it, got a drummer and this lined up, and then it just never happens, or yeah. like, you know, you, you'll message him a week later, like, hey, remember the time you want to start this kind of band, like, yeah, let's fucking do it, and then it just never happens, yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm at, but uh you know, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be another project in the works in the uh, the not too distant future. It'll, it'll definitely happen. I've got about three other types of bands I want to do that I just don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do them with like with the other band going on. But you know, yeah, I'd love to start another doom band. Like that was yeah. like the only uh, the only shit I'm like capable of like writing riffs to, yeah. or like I mean, just kind of you know, god fleshy industrial kind of stuff. That'd be like, pretty sick, actually. 
Yeah, like I tried to figure out how to well program drums in a drum machine like last year, but I gave up. I wasn't gonna <laughs> spend like two hundred, three hundred bucks on a on an eight oh eight or some shit. Then <laughs> it was just too hard. I I got Pro Tools and then tried to learn how to get good at home demoing and pay like six hundred, seven hundred bucks on it, and I just none of like my things were working I was downloading the put into it and I just gave up because I get I get so angry at technology the two things I get really angry at is technology not working as it should or flies the two yeah. things everything else is chill you know yeah. I don't care it's just I, technology and flies can fuck off yeah I really just want to do a band without a drummer like <laughs> no no diss on Alex or nothing but um you know I feel like a drum machine like you can like turn it up way louder in the mix and yeah. it's uh yeah it's it's not something you see heaps of, yeah. heaps of. And when you do see it, you're like, fuck, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. Yeah. Um, I talked to Dave Hunt of Anana Thrak uh, the other week. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah they're but, playing on Friday. Yeah, they're yeah. playing on Friday. Um, but, like, yeah, it's funny because they, um, they have a drum machine for the, for the albums, but they only started touring when they figured out people could, people could actually play their music live with drum kit, which is oh, which is weird. Like, why not just tour with a, a drum machine? Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. I saw them at um, Dark Mofo, like, a couple of years back, and it was the fucking funniest show ever. Like, they, they're a good band. They don't take themselves seriously at all for that thing. But there were just people like jumping up on stage, getting their dicks out. He, like, he mentioned just, he mentioned that just, just doing the windmill, and then like then some someone got up on the stage. who was obviously drunk, and someone was like, "You can get your dick out." She's like, "No, I lost my phone." And, like, grabs the microphone off the singer into like the Odeon, which is like I know two thousand cap room sold out. I talked with him. I was like, "Hey, has anyone seen my phone? It's so Like... <laughs> So fuck if if that show on Friday is anything like that, you're, you're in for a treat. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's so good. Um, before we finish up, any last things you want to mention? I don't know. Say thanks to anyone who bought a shirt or has actually listened to the album. At, and yeah, means heaps just people listening to it. It's really really like a nice one. Yeah, yeah, and thanks thanks for inviting us on your pod. Like, appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Happy to talk some shit. Um, we're playing a couple of shows. So, um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. We're playing with Cult Leader at the Tote. On um, the 13th of April. 13th of April. Um, and the 19th of April with um, with Pagan Blind Girls. Um, Bats Crew. is the other band. Bats, there we go. Yeah, and um, Boundless and Outright. So, cool. yeah, the, the two shows we've got lined up. You know, we, we haven't got many locked in, but the two we've got... Uh, you know, they're going to be good, so... Uh, Hopefully we've, we've yeah. learned how to play the songs by then since we haven't jammed for every year, so... Yeah. I think yeah. we'll be all right. Yeah, if anyone wants to press our record on uh, vinyl... Ah, um, oh, go for it. You know, go <laughs> for it, because we, 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 we certainly can't afford to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good shout-out, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please press our album on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs>
That was Nervous Wreck by No Haven. Before that, we heard Sinkholes, and the first track was Cesspool, all from the album Deep End of Shallow Lives. Thanks again to Mike and Will for joining me in the studio. Really, really great to have people. Sort of that connection that you can't really get over the phone, as much as you know some of the great conversations I've had with people over the phone. Um, just before I go, I went to download this week. Really, really cool festival, in particular because of two bands that I've wanted to see for a while and just haven't got around to, Judas Priest and Slayer. Another, other great bands I saw were obviously Alice in Chains, and up the top were Voyager and Ruin, so really, really great to see those guys as well. But um, in terms of Tutus, Priest and Slayer, I thought I might give a recommendation from their catalogues of two albums. Check it up a little bit. So for Tutus, Priest, Sad Wings of Destiny, released in 1976, it's kind of one of the first albums that really starts to etch out what becomes traditional heavy metal. It's you know incredibly ambitious in a, in a way. Um, I think that's not necessarily exceptional in that case. Obviously, you have other bands which um, kind of begin to carve the road for heavy music. But this, it's just deeply resonant with me. It's heavy, yet very emotional. And it features some of really the best vocals ever put to tape. Uh, I released an episode with my friend Alan on just before the festival. And I'm planning to do a review show with her maybe later in the week. And there we might go through some of the uh, thoughts um, about you know Judas Priest and some of the other bands. Um, Slayer, obviously, it's Rain and Blood. One of the heaviest and most aggressive albums ever really released, despite the fact that more heavy and aggressive genres have come about since. It comes in a brief but just incredibly crammed full 28 minutes. And if you look back at history of this, you know, this broad thing we call extreme metal, it's perhaps one of the most influential albums on the scene. You you don't necessarily get that if you look at kind of the bands that have formed, the death metal bands in particular, because they kind of became something else subsequently. But if you check out some of their early work, some of their work before they really became who they were. Slayer is such a clear influence, very, very clear influence. Um, I'm thinking in particular of going back to the Cannibal Corpse documentary, Century of Torment, the first 25 years, I believe it's called. And you listen to that, and I think it, you know, it's Cannibal Corpse, I think some of the other bands they played with, I think we're in the in the documentary. Very clear that Slayer is a profound influence on those bands. So yeah, in- incredibly important uh, albums, and I there's some of... Uh, my all-time greats and you know obviously some of the greats as you'd notice in any kind of list of heavy metal top albums thanks for listening you can of course contact me australianhunger at gmail.com any comments questions thoughts if you're in a band and are interested in an interview hit me up and maybe we can work something out you can also contact me on social media Oz Hunger on Facebook Twitter and Instagram until then I'll catch you later bye